0: Section twenty six of the Underground Railroad, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part One, by William Still. Section twenty six. The Arrivals of a Single Month. Part Five as to the modus operandi by which so many men women and children were delivered and safely forwarded to canada despite slave-hunters and the fugitive slave law the subjoined letters from different agents and depots will throw important light on the question men and women aided in this cause who were influenced by no oath of secrecy who received not a farthing for their labors who believed that god had put it into the hearts of all mankind to love liberty and had commanded men to feel for those in bonds as bound with them to break every yoke and let the oppressed go free but here are the letters bearing at least on some of the travellers wilmington tenth month thirty-first eighteen fifty seven esteemed friend william still i write to inform thee that we have either seventeen or twenty-seven i am not certain which of that large gang of gods poor and i hope they are safe the man who has them in charge informed me there were twenty-seven safe and one boy lost during last night about fourteen years of age without shoes we have felt some anxiety about him for fear he may be taken up and betray the rest i have since been informed that there are but seventeen so that i cannot at present tell which is correct i have several looking out for the lad they will be kept from philadelphia for the present my principal object in writing thee at this time is to inform thee of what one of our constables told me this morning he told me that a colored man in philadelphia who professed to be a great friend of the colored people was a traitor that he had been written to by an abolitionist in baltimore to keep a lookout for those slaves that left cambridge this night week told him they would be likely to pass through wilmington on the sixth day or seventh day night and the colored man in philadelphia had written to the master of part of them telling him the above and the master arrived here yesterday in consequence of the information and told one of our constables the above the man told the name of the baltimore writer which he had forgotten but declined telling the name of the colored man in philadelphia i hope you will be able to find out who he is and should i be able to learn the name of the baltimore friend i will put him on his guard respecting his philadelphia correspondence as ever thy friend and the friend of humanity without regard to color or clime thomas garrett how much truth there was in the constable's story to the effect that a colored man in philadelphia who professed to be a great friend of the colored people was a traitor etc the committee never learned as a general thing, colored people were true to the fugitive slave, but now and then some unprincipled individuals, under various pretenses, would cause us great anxiety. Letter from John Augusta, Norristown, October 18th, 1857, 2 o'clock p.m. Dear Sir, there is six men and women and five children, making eleven persons if you are willing to receive them write to me immediately and i will bring them to your to-morrow evening i would not have wrote this but the times are so much worse financially that i thought it best to hear from you before i brought such a crowd down please answer this and oblige john augusta this document has somewhat of a military appearance about it it is short and to the point Friend Augusta was well known in Norristown as a first-rate hairdresser and a prompt and trustworthy Underground Railroad agent. Of course a speedy answer was returned to his note, and he was instructed to bring the eleven passengers on to the Committee in Brotherly Love. Letter from Miss G. Lewis about a portion of the same memorable twenty-eight. Sunnyside, November 6, 1857 Dear Friend, Eight more of the large company reached our place last night, direct from Erseldown. The eight constitute one family of them. The husband and wife with four children under eight years of age wish tickets for Elmira. Three sons nearly grown will be forwarded to Philadelphia, probably by the train which passes Phoenixville at seven o'clock of tomorrow evening the seventh. It would be safest to meet them there. We shall send them to Elijah with the request for them to be sent there, and I presume they will be. If they should not arrive, you may suppose it did not suit Elijah to send them. We will send the money for the tickets by C. C. Burley, who will be in Philadelphia on second day morning. If you please, you will forward the tickets by to mail, as we do not have a mail again till third day. Yours hastily, Q. Lewis please give directions for forwarding to Elmira and name the price of tickets at first miss lewis thought of forwarding only a part of her fugitive guests to the committee in philadelphia but on further consideration all were safely sent along in due time and the committee took great pains to have them made as comfortable as possible as the cases of these mothers and children especially called forth the deepest sympathy In this connection it seems but fitting to allude to captain lee's sufferings on account of his having brought away in a skiff by sea a party of four alluded to in the beginning of this single month's report unfortunately he was suspected arrested tried convicted and torn from his wife and two little children and sent to the richmond penitentiary for twenty-five years before being sent away from portsmouth virginia where he was tried for ten days in succession in the prison five lashes a day were laid heavily on his bare back the further sufferings of poor lee and his heart-broken wife and his little daughter and son are too painful for minute recital in this city the friends of freedom did all in their power to comfort mrs lee and administered aid to her and her children but she broke down under her mournful fate and went to that born from whence no traveller ever returns Captain Lee suffered untold misery in prison, until he also, not a great while before the Union forces took possession of Richmond, sank beneath the severity of his treatment and went likewise to the grave. The two children for a long time were under the care of Mr. William Ingram of Philadelphia, who voluntarily, from pure benevolence, proved himself to be a father and a friend to them. To their poor mother also he had been a true friend the way in which captain lee came to be convicted if the committee were correctly informed and they think they were was substantially in this wise in the darkness of the night four men two of them constables one of the other two the owner of one of the slaves who had been aided away by lee seized the wife of one of the fugitives and took her to the woods where the fiends stripped every particle of clothing from her person tied her to a tree and armed with knives, cowhides, and a shovel, swore vengeance against her, declaring they would kill her if she did not testify against Lee. At first she refused to reveal the secret, indeed she knew but little to reveal, but her savage tormentors beat her almost to death. Under this barbarous infliction she was constrained to implicate Captain Lee, which was about all the evidence the prosecution had against him, and in reality her evidence for two reasons should not have weighed a straw as it was contrary to the laws of the state of virginia to admit the testimony of colored persons against white then again for the reason that this testimony was obtained wholly by brute force but in this instance this woman on whom the murderous attack had been made was brought into court on lee's trial and was bid to simply make her statement with regard to lee's connection with the escape of her husband This she did, of course, and in the eyes of this chivalric court this procedure was all right; but thank God the events since those dark and dreadful days afford abundant proof that the all seeing eye was not asleep to the daily sufferings of the poor bondman. End of Section twenty six. Recording by Maria Casper